Welcome to B2B Power Hour, where we dive deep into the real sales issues that stop you from making a good living in the profession we love. We discuss how to get, keep, and grow customers by unpacking the prospecting and selling techniques that work in 2023, the ones that you want in your personal OS as a seller. Forget the hustle. It's time for a Power Hour. Now, on to today's episode. Hi, thank you for calling sales support. My name is Sarah. This is Morgan. This is Caspian. This is Brad. My name is Stephanie. I'm Nick. This is Melissa. Welcome to sales support. This is Todd. How can I help you today? How can I help you today? How can I help you today? Welcome to this very first edition of Sales Support. We have an illustrious crew of sales experts joining us today. If you haven't been on LinkedIn yet, maybe you didn't see the announcement. But if you got a sales challenge and you want a sales expert to answer that question, whatever it may be, discovery, prospecting, choose your favorite scale skill, choose your favorite technique, you need to call this number today, 303-578-8581. That's sales support at 303-578-8581 because today, not only do you get an answer from one of our, our, our new team of 10, our team of wonderful sales experts, we also get to talk about these today on sales support. So I'm joined by three of our amazing, amazing experts. Melissa Gaglione, welcome to sales support. Hello, hello. <laughs> Saad Khan, welcome to sales support. Howdy, everybody. How's it going? And Caspian Lukey, welcome to sales support. What is up? Excited to be here. I am thrilled for this. Guys, we've got some great questions today. Are you excited? Are you ready to dive in? 100%. We're ready. We're ready. All right, let's begin with, I will say this is a love note first, so. Hey, uh, this is Kevin Lee, and I am, uh, I just want to say this shit is cool. So shout out to Sarah, Stephanie, y'all are doing some awesome work. That's it. <laughs> All right, later. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks for the love. Thanks for the love, Kevin. Uh, I do love hey, that one. We, I do love that one. Yeah, so good. I agree. If anybody else has love notes and they just want to shout out their favorite member of the team of 10, more than I'd love to have your voicemail at sales support. But here's a really interesting scenario that we got in our voicemail. Hey, um, my name is Sophia. My question is, so in my sequence, you know, I do personalized email and calls and things like if they accept that LinkedIn connection, what are your thoughts and best practices on following up on that? Is it sending them a message? Is it giving them a call and referencing that connect? Just curious on how you guys would take that on. Thanks. Appreciate it. This is cool. Bye. Great. People like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we can kind of start to answer these. I'll, I'll start a little bit and then feel free to add on. But for me... Sending a connection request, we start connecting. I do a lot of research, of course, seeing what they post, who they're friendly with, anyone else at the company, if we have mutual friends, of course. Um, if they're posting, start liking, start reviewing the information that they're posting about. What is it that they like to share or like as well? What are their common interests? So first, gather, intel, start playing the game a little bit, getting them to see your name pop up, maybe, you know, seeing if they've liked a certain post, like that post as well, like their comments, things along those lines. So for me, 
A first step is to start engaging. Anyone else want to add their first step from that? Jasper, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go. And then, uh, but I want to give everyone a, ch- a chance to chime in. I'd say it just depends on what approach you want to take. I love your comment, Melissa, about engaging with your prospects' content, right? Helping get your name familiar to them. I think taking a relationship-based approach is really helpful. And after you begin to like and comment on a few posts, different people take different approaches. But I think sending like sending a message that is pure value where you don't even mention your company can be super effective. For example, if someone has started a new job or gotten a promotion saying, hey, Rob, congratulations on your promotion. Thought you might enjoy this article from Indeed about how to crush your first 30, 60, 90 days enroll. Doesn't even mention my company or the company that I'm working for, but the goal is that I'm optimizing for a response and I'm beginning to build a relationship. If you want to, you absolutely can do something a bit more direct and leverage something like a video to be a bit more creative. But I think it depends on how slow of a burn you want to take versus how aggressive you want to be. You know, maybe you're coming up on the end of the month, end of the quarter, and you need that meeting. Sometimes you got to be bold. But Saad, anything you want to add there? I don't mean to be rambling. No, it's good. Uh, I think it's good. Let's get everybody's perspective on it. It's I think sales advice is so, um, sometimes could be taken as black and white. Oh, I do it this way, you do it that way. I think it's good to have all of our perspectives, but also, Caspin, you're in a seat before Melissa going to that seat. Melissa, you're in a seat where I was at last year, things like that. So it's like each of us is going to look at it a little bit in a tweaked up matter. And that's perfect. That's what we want, right? So First, I'll echo both of what you're saying. A good sequence on personalized touch is not just what you're sending to them in that point in time, but how are you familiarizing yourself to them, right? You both have covered that really well. The other thing as well, also in regards to what you're sending and how you're following up with, if you've sent a personalized note, and if it's a really good personalized note, email, video, and you're like, hey, this should be good. If it's not opened, resend it with the different title, subject line. You're not like... Your personalized word did not get looked at. You didn't do bad work. It did not get open. So let's get that open so that personalized word gets looked at. Second part is the second situation is that if that does get looked at and that does get open and you still don't have a response, think about the earlier work you might have done in trying to familiarize yourself to them, the touch points, the research you're done, you've done. So when you're responding back to them, There's two schools of thoughts. Yes, you can bump that up and get their thoughts. Or given that you have done some research, send another personalized note that, hey, sent you a video that I based on my research. And now what you're doing here is saying what you said in the video in your email. Your video personalized script is now your email script. You're not doing extra work. Hey, I made a video because I did some research and found X, Y, and Z. Think about what just happened over here. You've delivered two personalized touch points with just one level of work. And this can go into so many different directions, right? And you can play around with that even more. I'll pause there. I think that's what I would say. I don't know if I steered off topic a little bit, but yeah. It's good advice anyways, I think. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Anything else to answer for Sophia? I feel like we... I mean, I'm not going to say we knocked it out of the park. We'll need to hear from Sophia, but uh, I think... (laughs) I think think we're also saying, like, don't hesitate to continue to engage and leverage all these different channels and different mediums. Use your best judgment as to what this particular prospect might like 
leverage that to strike a conversation, whether it's sending them an article to be, you know, a little bit more, you know, I see you and I see what you're doing and I want to be that person who can help you. Or maybe it's that path of taking an email that you've previously written, putting it in a different form to reach out to that person on a different channel and just start getting familiar with that prospect and seeing them as a person rather than just like a number. Another thing I want to add there is from Josh Braun, the meaningful deposit, right? A meaningful deposit is exactly that. It's not a C, there's no CTA there. Remember, your email did not get open. You personalize it. You can look at it both ways, either open or not, right? We always look at our sequences like, oh, I want that email that converts, that call that converts. Now, you're also trying to take somebody from unaware, aware consideration so you can nurture them, right? If you send a personalized email and they're not opening, send them an article, something relevant to them, but third party. We always send our company's data points, our company something, because there's always like, ooh, that's not a, yes, the intent is a meaningful deposit, but I, it's kind of not. So try, <laughs> I, I personally have started doing that. This is very recent to me. I've been sending Forbes and Gartner articles and uh, it's getting opens. It's not getting responses, but it's getting opens versus it wasn't. So play around with it. Nice. I like it. All right. Thank you, Sophia, for calling in. And we hope sales support answer your question. On to the next one. Hey, my name is Henry. I have a demo. I'm wondering whether or not it would look bad to reschedule. I had to reschedule it from Friday to today um, because I had to see some family at the hospital. But today I found out that um, it's an on-site demo. And the specific feature that the, the prospect was looking for, which was being able to control um, hotel locks remotely hasn't been set up yet. So I would be walking him through the property and showing him the the basic functionalities and not the specific thing he was looking for. And I'm not sure if it would be intelligent to reschedule the demo to Thursday or Friday where he would be able to see the functionality he was looking for because I'm worried it might look bad that I've rescheduled it twice, even though one of the times, you know, was for personal reasons. So yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what, like, what would you guys do, basically? Like, would you reschedule, or would you go to the demo and uh, give him an idea of how it might work, but not be able to show him the actual functionality? And I don't know. I'm just worried it might be a waste of time for both of us, since it's a, a one and a half hour drive for me, and for him, you know, he's managing a hotel, so he he can't, you know, go look at something that isn't his time. So thank you guys. Bye. To clarify, was that a, a question about possibly rescheduling for a second time? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sounds yeah. like it. First time was for personal reasons. It sounded like some sort of hospital thing. I think he mentioned rescheduled it. And now the functionalities just really aren't there. So should he reschedule for later that week? In person is so hard. Hour and a half drive to get there. In all honesty, like, is this tough? But I think first being really straightforward with the person that you're meeting with and first thinking like, okay, what value would I add to this meeting with or without this information that I have? If I had this feature that I can walk them through, what else would I be walking them through? There's more than just one purpose to meet with someone. So what are all the purposes that I that I need to accomplish when I go to meet with this prospect? Second, I would say it's okay to reschedule multiple times. I think that's fine. I think it's just, you have to be really thoughtful about it because if he blocked out, you know, two hours of his day on Tuesday, then that means maybe he, you know, had to move some things around. Like you, you don't want to do it often, 
But if you go to that prospect and you say, hey, this is what, you know, the purpose of today's call was or today's meeting was going to be. Here's what I'd like to still accomplish. However, we wouldn't be able to accomplish this. If you feel that it's worth your time to reschedule to Friday and we can do all of it in one, then I'd be happy to do that. So honestly, put it on them to see what they would like to do. And as long as you're very, it's worse if you just show up and you're like, I have nothing to show you. You know, that's the last thing you want to do. Anyone else? What do you guys think? I completely agree. And I think that it's important to understand, of course, like without context, we don't know the full story, but I think understanding is this feature a need to have or a nice to have. To your point, Melissa, if this is something that you just had in your back pocket that you wanted to blow them away with, you can always meet with them about what their main priority was without rescheduling and then mention, hey, I'd love to circle back later this week and show you something that we've been working on that we're really excited. However, on the flip side, if this is the main thing that they care about, then to your point, Melissa, you're not, doesn't sound like you'd be able to add much value or address what their concerns are beyond speaking about it theoretically, right? But that's where expectation management comes in. If the understanding was you'd be demoing this feature that's not available to be demoed, I totally would reschedule it. And I'll just say for anyone who's hesitant about rescheduling, I think honesty and clarity goes a really long way. And we often make things more challenging on ourselves than they need to be. I think a lot of people just respect if you're straightforward with them and candid. So I'll end my ramble there. But that's something that I have to tell myself on a regular basis too. I think I need you all support on this one for myself as well. I'm somebody who has always been super hesitant of the whole reschedule culture. I've rescheduled demos multiple times as well. So don't worry about it. But I still get in my head about it. I'm a natural overthinker, so I just like, you know, that just happens. I'm going to harp on what both of you said is there's deeper, there should be deeper context over here. It again goes back to treat this as an opportunity to think back and how well you're doing your discovery. When somebody is saying that they really need something like this, is it, to Casper's point, is it need to have, is it must have? Is there business implications to this thing? If the business business has implications, the the person that's responsible, how much buy-in do they have for this one thing? Is it going to be beneficial to them or detrimental to them? I think that should be what should help you decide how much emphasis you want to put on it. And if this is the thing that this person really wants, then they'll wait for it. It's simple, clear communication. This is a priority. We don't have this at this point in time. I am willing to meet with you. But if you want to deprioritize this, we can come back on this when this thing is ready to go. If they say, yes, let's still meet, then you're in for an interesting drive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Then, you know, go fire them up more for it. You can speak about this in theory, get them fired up. So by the time that thing is ready, just, you know, you can kind of close the deal on a feature sell. Like we've closed deals on the best demos are sometimes when you close on discovery. So um, not in this world these days, but try it out. We can dream at least. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. It happens. And I also feel like a lot of these, this this applies too to the the unique nature of it being in person instead of virtual, I think also adds to like whether you should reschedule or not. But I imagine everything that y'all just laid out also applies to like, oh, what, <laughs> I had a, you know, demo with this potential prospect scheduled, can't make it now, or something came up. This thing we thought product said was available isn't yet to show this client. All the same stuff applies, I think, whether it's virtual or in person. It's it's creating that, yeah, buying experience for people that that they want. 
I'm just going to give myself some advice there. So don't get in your head about these things. You have personal reasons. Work comes in the way. Life comes in the way. Just think about what's important. And you know what? Sometimes it does end up being work. Just see in that moment what's really more important for you. And don't be afraid of being selfish for yourself. If that drive ultimately is more work than just, you know, some level of success that you get and still you have some issues to deal with, then go take care of yourself. Your quota is not going to go away. That person wants that feature. Love it. All right. On to the next. I love I love the day. I love the day. <laughs> Hello, so this is Anush here. So my question for Salesforce is, so why does cold call doesn't work in North America like it used to be, especially for the ICPs of technology backgrounds like the CISOs, the CIOs, the CTOs? It's pretty hard to reach them over the phone to sell technology stuff. So at the same time, it is pretty hard, easy to reach the marketers where we are selling sales for sales teams. So this is my question. I would like to understand your inputs and how to tackle this right now. Thank you. Have a good day. This is actually a good one and very timely. I'll quickly just share my experience uh, or my team's experience, what was happening at my last org. I was at Vendor and uh, we thought we were selling to CFOs, but we were selling to everybody. Thought we were selling to CFOs, but it was ultimately just the data team, the security control team, procurement team, and all that good stuff. I think the key learning over there was we live in the LinkedIn sphere and we're always talking about advice sometimes it feels like all that advice geared towards booking meetings with sellers and marketers. Execs aren't available to pick up calls all day long. There are certain time blocks at which they're, they're available. So I would, and while I'm on that, I would kind of tie CIOs into that same bucket. If you want to try cold calling CIOs and technical personas, try calling the slot 8.30 to 9 a.m. in the morning, the 30-minute golden hour before People actually start work when they're looking at their emails, when they have their phone in front of them, all that good stuff. They're also not in back-to-back meetings. They're not that angry or upset or whatever you can expect to happen. I'm not saying that they are angry people, just to say. So that I would think about from a cadence form. Second thing I would think about, I would really, really, really become better, good at, really good at Omnichannel. They read a lot of emails. They're technical people. They love to read. They just love data. Now, I'm not saying send them essays. But this is where you go leverage. If they're publicly traded companies, if there's a lot of technical information, and there would be for companies like these, their websites are a gold mine, And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for people to come to them with some really deep insights. I love being funny on my cold calls. It's not going to work for them. They'll put the phone down, be direct, be concise. Be very intentional with what you're delivering to them. And it has to tie into some of their priorities. I would recommend one thing over there. Use ChatGPT or a tool like that and just go get a breakdown of mission-critical priorities and the pain points of CIOs and CXOs. And every single time you're talking to them, just start with their language. Just use their language, first part. Second part, reference their studies. Reference the things that they're working on, things like that. So every single thing that you're saying, it just comes across as them, 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 them. Um, Final thing, I would say get better at email. Really get better at go below the line. Go do some level of research in their organization. What's going on? Find data points. Go talk to their managers. They'd be better at listening. Go talk to their reps. Get as much. This is what we call below the line and above the line messaging. Go below the line to managers or their reps and things like that, get the information and then translate that above the line 
to how that impacts their either bottom line, their projects, things like that. That's the messaging you want to give them. And the final thing that I would say there is, I'm not saying cold calling is dead or it won't happen, but then try to call between buffer times, meeting buffer times, the 845 uh, or 8.43, just two minutes before meetings end. I always put a five minute buffer between my meetings. I try to end my meetings at 25 and things like that. Yeah, I went on a bit of a ramble as I always do, but that's what I would say. Call before work hours, think about execs meeting times, call between those buffers, become omni-channel. And when you are omni-channel prospecting them, you need to really be giving them some, the intentional recommendations, right? How they can improve their business, not just, hey, we think you can do this, we think you can do that. And to support that, below the line data gathering, above the line message translation, I'll stop there. Sorry, that's a lot. It was always great. Anything else to add, Melissa or Caspian? Hold you go, Melissa. I agree with everything. (laughs) But I'll also be the first one to say that cold calling for me wasn't my strongest channel, which forced me to do a lot of research to identify my prospects channel of choice. Although the greatest feeling in the world is booking a meeting on a cold call. So I will say that, but it is important if they've never answered before and you look on outreach and they have never answered a phone, keep give them that dial for sure, but try to identify where they're living. What is their channel of choice? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Twitter? Is it email? Is it Slack? Is it any other, you know, place that you can find them where they live? You know, where do they get their information from? Everyone has a different channel of choice. Go identify it. If it's not phones, then maybe it's something else. But you have to do that research to figure that out. Yeah. And just to add on, I would say I'm actually going to slightly, well, I'll slightly push back on on the caller and just say that I think cold calling being dead is like something that gets thrown around and like looks good on LinkedIn. But I will say, I don't think cold calling is dead. I think bad cold calling is dead. And I think that's a direct result of COVID, meaning that people are working remotely, which has the added challenge of people not answering their work phones. So now all personal and professional traffic is coming through your cell phone, which just means that people are kind of like, hey, I'm done. I'm not going to pick up my phone. I don't really want to. If it's not a number I recognize, um, it's high risk that it is a that it's a sales call or something like that. So I completely agree with what both of you have said. I think understanding what people, what channel people respond to is key. Calling between eight and nine, as well as four and 5 p.m. in your prospect's time zone. Like I used to get up at like 5 a.m. to call people on the East Coast because that's when they they would pick up, right? But it also meant that between one and two, I was calling, right? And then on top of that, and I loved your point on this, Saad, calling at non-standard times. So your pickup rates will go even higher if you call within five minutes of the bottom or top of the hour, because they probably think, I can't tell you how many meetings I've booked where a CRO thinks that I'm there 4 p.m. calling them, right? And I'm not, I'm just me. So I could talk about this for hours. I will just say, I would challenge anyone who thinks that cold calling is dead because it's not, but it's not the most effective method of outreach for all prospects. However, if you don't call you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So that's what I'll say. Love it. All right. On to the next. Oh, this one was submitted by text. (laughs) All right. Somebody texted sales support. So I'm going to read this into the record. Do a voice. What? Do Do the voice? Yeah. Oh, a voice? Just a caller (laughs) voice. You know, anyone but Morgan's voice. (laughs) Any? (laughs) 
I don't think. <laughs> you don't have to do yeah, that. no. Saad's going to record me uh, trying to <laughs> do this new voice. I mean, the issue is that the texture is Alexandra. So I'm going to guess it's a woman. I don't do, I do lots of male voices. So I, I don't know if that would be appropriate here. So anyways, hi, Alexandra here looking for sales support. I'm working for an agency that still works off spreadsheets for prospecting. I was brought on to book four meetings a week and grow the business. They don't have any CRMs. I've said I need tech that can help me scale. Cellex is cost-effective, and I can do that without having to manually copy and paste emails into Gmail and manually call cell phone numbers. They said, okay. Now they're taking two weeks to set up an email for me to use it. I've said I can do it in an hour. I'm pulling my hair and at three, the three-month mark with them and evaluating what has been accomplished with little to no support, the unrealistic goals based on what they're providing me, what should I do? <laughs> so she doesn't have anything? <laughs> yeah, very little tech and promises from leadership that they would be implementing it, but nothing has, has happened yet. Am I yeah. going to get canceled for saying get out? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 No, you know, I don't think you're far off. <laughs> I was at a company where, I mean, this was when I was in person and we had this big box phone, literally a Cisco phone that I had to punch numbers in. And it was from, this was like 2019, like this wasn't that long ago. And we had a Zoom info printout and that would be passed around and it was time for you to cold call. And I would sit there and put the number in and then call and then wait. And we only used email. Like there was no sequencing, nothing was in place. Literally 30 sales reps sending individual emails, like the most weakest thing. And so when the pandemic happened, they ended up giving me two jobs. So I was a seller and an event producer. And so I started doing my own research. And this was how I learned about what a sequence was, because I, I didn't know anything about it. But I found a sequence company, like a Monday.com sort of thing, like something that I was able to get. It was like 20 bucks for the month. I bought it myself and I started to create my own sequences, not even knowing what it was. But you, sometimes you just have to take control of like your own thing. And sometimes like if they're not going to invest in you, what you can do is get something that's similar, that's cheaper, that you can try and then say, look at the results that I got. I spent $30 of my own money. Look at how I've increased my productivity. And here's what I have. I've also done this where I really wanted a dialer. So I reached out to an AE and I had them give me a free trial. And I went to my company and said, look, I booked eight meetings this week off of this dialer. How do we get this for us? So sometimes you just need to go seek, give it a try, and then bring the results to your team, whether that's a pilot or maybe it's something small that you can purchase and then make a case for it. But I've definitely had my company buy, both companies buy some technology because I really advocated for it, but you have to make a case for it. That's how I bought Apollo at my last org. No, last to last org. This is actually a fun story and a bit of a horror story. Uh, we were in a deal for deal thing. I hate deal for deals with one of the world's biggest data providers that I'm not going to name. And let's just say it did not go well. And uh, in return, we had bought their entire suite that I was going to own. And let's just say within two weeks, I requested the return. Then Apollo came in. Apollo's AE gave us a trial. That trial got extended over a quarter. 
during that entire time. Think about customer service. They were giving us credits, this, that, et cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, what happened was my boss comes to me. She's like, what do we do? Uh, do we get rid of this? Do we get rid of that? I'm like, wait, hold on. We start producing off Apollo. The reps are like, we're actually beating, doing really well off Apollo. Do you want to take them away from that? The answer was very simple. I'm digressing a little bit. So to Melissa's point, sometimes you have to kind of take it upon your chin, put the proof on the table, and if they still say no, you have your answer. I think that's all you can do. The other situation is uh, you have to find a way to have a very, very, very clear communication line with your boss. Nobody can help you in this situation unless it's your boss and unless they don't know fully and they don't fully understand what's going on. And then if they do and they still say no, you have your answer. I don't want to say what that answer is, but you'll know your answer. That's kind of what I can come up with on that. (laughs) it's true though right like do is uh, or like watch what i do not what i say i think is so important so i think step one i love the entrepreneurial things that people have mentioned and i i'm a big fan of asking for forgiveness not permission in terms of like when you when you want to do something try something new but to your point if you go out and get something for yourself, you have positive results, and then you've basically done their work for them by showing them what you'd like and what the potential ROI is. If at that point they still, for whatever reason, are dragging their feet with uh, giving you the tech to enable you to be successful, yeah, I think uh, ultimately make what decisions right for you, you know, financially and personally, but that's not a situation that I would want to stay in personally for myself. Especially if it's impossible for you to hit your numbers. Like if you're unable to hit your, if you're hitting numbers without the tech, that's fine. But if you're so far away and just, it's just impossible, then consider, you know, a place that's more supportive. Did this person mention this is a new role or am I think they thinking this person or one of four? She was brought on to book four meetings. It doesn't say how new she is, but it's. Yeah, she's been there maybe three months, a little more. Context. We've been going through a very rough time, ups and downs. If this person has been brought on to this new org recently, it could have been for a lot of reasons. I really hope it was her choice and it was from a positive standpoint versus her having gone through something difficult. And if there's additional context that you have gone through something difficult, don't put yourself through it. I just, just don't put yourself through that again. And you're not doing it on purpose, obviously. Uh, So try and manufacture a way to get some wins. Try and get a way to have these better conversations with your your leaders. And then if you're not getting your response... (laughs) Get out. I I love it. (laughs) All right. On to the last question for today. Hey, uh, my name is Ellen Gorley. Uh, I'm a BDR at a... uh, mobile solutions company in Georgia. Um, I'm calling to get some help with just advice on um, how to build out a business development program here at my job. We don't really have one, even though the company's been around for 40 years. So, yeah, I just would love to get some help and feedback on that. This company has been around for 40 years, has, has not had a business development program. If this company has been around for 40 years, that means they must be producing. There must be some level of business coming in for 40 years as well. The first thing you should do is put together lists and see all the inbounds that you're getting. And, but more importantly, the ones that convert to paid customers. The first thing you have to do 
is go after more of them because then they are probably your best ICP people. The other thing that you have to do, actually even before that, is in you, to yourself, in your own words, write down what do our customers say we solve for? Not what features we sell. What do our customers say we solve for? That's what a business development program is based off on. Not your features, not your value props, what customers say you solve for. Your entire program is going to be based off of the voice of the customer because you've been around there for 40 or so years. Uh, sorry, the business has been. On a more tactical level, the way I would break it down is understand your ICP, understand who buys and why. That's the most important. And then go build segmented lists of those individuals. It's not as important to go start calling people. It's actually more important to start putting together a list of the people that will give you the yeses for conversations. And those conversations will lead to conversions. The other thing that I would do is meet with your marketing team and create a Slack channel. This is the first thing you should do. Create a Slack channel that everybody has visibility on that tracks all the inbounds that come in week over week. At the end of every week, create what I like to call an inbound care package. What is the inbound care package? This inbound care package tracks title, ICPs or personas, industries, and what channel they come from most often. Collect those week over week and then cross-reference that from the target account list that your company makes because we all know it's always a little bit hair of us. Cross-reference that against what marketing is putting the ad spend on, who they're focusing on. And once you find some level of similarities, like the dots are connecting, you should go outbound and go hard on those companies with that messaging, with those ads marketing supporting you. That's a very high level, quick, quick, quick first level setup at building a business business development function. There's obviously way more context there. If you guys want, uh, whoever this individual is, feel free to reach out and we can, I can connect with you as well and we can share more on that. I'm probably missing some things over here, 100% I am, but that will be just a very high level step one tactical thing that I think you can get started and get start producing wins right away. I love it. I see universal head nods and applause <laughs> from Mr. Saad Khan. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you all. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Yeah, it was on. Appreciate it, y'all. Any other uh, input on this or other ideas for for Ellen? I mean, I feel like Saad broke it down well, right? Like you can get, I think this is the challenge, to be honest. It's like, it's a great question. It's so broad. Like I think Saad did a great job of addressing things from a high level. As you build it out, you'll begin to realize like, oh, our cold calling needs work or we're really struggling when it comes to email deliverability, right? But without... I think there's no better way you could have put it from like a high level and then you'll address those things as as you go. I'd be intrigued to understand like how the company's been so successful for 40 years without a business development arm, but that that's just my own curiosity. If somebody tells me, hey, we've been around for 40 years, come build a business development function here, I'll be like, cross my heart and hope to die. Sign me up right now. <laughs> you have data. You have a lot of data. That's what's going to build your business development function. It's just... Try to narrow it down. That's uh, that's going to be the thing. I love it. Well, let's close out. 
this has been edition number one of Sales Support. Thank you to everyone who has submitted questions and who has called in and texted. And also, I think, DM some of us on LinkedIn as well. If you have follow-ups, please make sure to go to b2bpowerhour.com. You can connect with anybody from the team of 10 and ask some follow-up questions, including our illustrious members joining us today, Melissa, Saad, and Caspian. And of course, at any time, if you have a question, you should call Sales Support at 303-578-8581. That's country code one in case you're international, as I know we've gotten some international calls as well. So it's plus one, 303-578-8581. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. It's been great. Thank you, Team of 10, for all of your awesome answers today. That was a lot of fun. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready to level up your skills and take on fun challenges with great people that want to see you succeed? Join the 1UP Club today. As a member, you get the best insights and takeaways from the show delivered to you every week. Plus... Brand new resources developed by our team of sales experts, the team of 10. Go to b2bpowerhour.com slash join to get started today.